The Paw Paw Village Players proudly present William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. For more information on how you can support the players, please visit ppvp.org. This production will feature the music of A Midsummer Night's Dream composed by Felix Mendelssohn and the voice talents of Roger C. Henderson, voicing Theseus, a Duke of Athens. Linda Kravitz, voicing Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazon. Norm Fraser, voicing Aegeus, father to Hermia. Brooklyn Moore, voicing Hermia, maiden of Athens. Josh Beery, voicing Demetrius, nobleman of Athens. John Netto, as Lysander, poet of Athens. Maya Crank, voicing Helena, maiden of Athens. Don Stein, voicing Peter Quince, the carpenter. Cole Zubak, voicing Nick Bottom, the weaver. Lars J. Loughborough, playing Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Keelan McCafferty, voicing Robin Starveling, the tailor. Patrick McCafferty, voicing Tom Snout, the tinker. Logan McCafferty, voicing Snug, the joiner. One, scene one. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta, and Philostrate with others. Now, fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace. Four happy days bring in another moon. But, oh, methinks how slow this old moon wanes. She lingers my desire like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Four days will quickly steep themselves in night. Four nights will quickly dream away the time, and then the moon, like to a silver bow, new bent in heaven, shall behold the night of our solemnities. Go, Philostrate, stir up the Athenian youth to merriments, awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth, turn melancholy forth to funerals. The pale companion is not for our pomp. Philostrate exits. Hippolyta. I wooed thee with my sword, and won thy love doing thee injuries. But I will wed thee in another key, with pomp, with triumph, and with reveling. Enter Aegeus and his daughter Hermia, and Lysander and Demetrius. Happy be, Theseus, our renowned duke. Thanks, good Aegeus. What's the news with thee? Full of vexation come I with complaint against my child, my daughter Hermia. Stand forth, Demetrius. My noble lord, this man hath my consent to marry her. Stand forth, Lysander. And my gracious duke, this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child. Thou, thou, Lysander, thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love tokens with my child. Thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair 
rings, gods, conceits, knacks, trifles, no escapes, sweetmeats, messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth. With cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart, turned her obedience, which is due to me, to stubborn harshness. And my gracious duke, be it so she will not hear before your grace consent to marry with Demetrius, I beg the ancient privilege of Athens. As she is mine, I may dispose of her, which shall either be to this gentleman or to her death, according to our law, immediately provided in that case. What say you, Hermia? Be advised, fair maid, to you your father should be as a god, one that composed your beauties, yea, and one to whom you are but a form in wax by him imprinted, and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it. Demetrius is a worthy gentleman. So is Lysander. In himself he is, but in this kind, wanting your father's voice, the other must be held the worthier. I would my father looked but with my eyes. Rather, your eyes must with his judgment look. I do entreat your grace to pardon me. I know not by what power I am made bold, nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts, but I beseech your grace that I may know the worst that may befall me in this case if I refuse to wed Demetrius. Either to die the death or to abjure forever the society of men. Therefore, fair Hermia, question your desires. Know of your youth, examine well your blood, whether, if you yield not to your father's choice, you can endure the livery of a nun. For I, to be in shady cloister mewed, to live a barren sister all your life, chanting faint hymns to the cold fruitless moon. Thrice bless they that master sow their blood, to undergo such maiden pilgrimage. But earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which, withering on the virgin thorn, grows, lives, and dies in single blessedness. So will I grow, so live, so die, my lord, ere I will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. Take time to pause, and by the next new moon, the sealing day betwixt my love and me, for everlasting bond of fellowship, upon that day either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will, or else to wed Demetrius, as he would, or on Diana's altar to protest for I austerity and single life. Oh, relent, sweet Hermia, and Lysander, yield thy crazed title to my certain right. You have her father's love, Demetrius. Let me have Hermia's. Do you marry him? Scornful Asander, true, he hath my love, and what is mine, my love shall render him. And she is mine, and all my right of her, I do estate unto Demetrius. I am, my lord, as well derived as he is well possessed. My love is more than his. My fortunes every way as fairly ranked, if not with vantage, as Demetrius. And, which is more than all these boasts can be, I am beloved of beauteous Hermia. Why should not I then prosecute my right? Demetrius, I'll avouch it to his head, made love to Nedar's daughter, Helena, and won her soul, and she, sweet lady, dotes, devoutly dotes, dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconsistent man. I must confess that I have heard so much, and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof, 
but being overfull of self-affairs, my mind did lose it. But Demetrius, come, and come, Aegeus, you shall go with me, for I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will, or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate, to death or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta, what cheer, my love! Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial, and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourselves. With duty and desire we follow you. All but Hermia and Lysander, exit. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? Belike for want of rain, which I could well, esteem them from the tempest of my eyes. Ay, me! For aught that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale or history, the course of true love never did run smooth. But either it was different in blood, O oh, cross, too high to be enthralled to low, or else misgraft in respect of years, O oh, spite, too old to be engaged to young, or else it stood upon the choice of friends, O oh, hell, to choose love by another's eyes. Or, if there were a sympathy in choice, war, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentany as a sound, swift as a shadow, short as any dream, brief as the lightning in the collied night, that in a spleen unfolds both heaven and earth, and ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up. So quick bright things come to confusion. If then true lovers have ever been crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. Then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross as due to love as, as thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, poor fancies followers. A good persuasion. Therefore, hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt, a dowager of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee. And to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me, then steal forth thy father's house to-morrow night, and in the wood a league without the town, where I did meet thee once with Helena, to do observance to a morn of May. There will I stay for thee. My good Lysander, I swear to thee by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the golden head, by the simplicity of Venus's doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, by the fire which burned the Carthage queen when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever men have broke, in number more than ever women spoke, in that same place thou hast appointed me, to-morrow truly I will meet with thee. Keep promise, love. Look, here comes Helena. Enter Helena. Godspeed, fair Helena. Whither away? Call you me fair? That fair again, unsay. Demetrius loves your fair. Oh, happy fair. Your eyes are lodestars, and your tongue's sweet air more tunable than lark to shepherd's ear, when wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear. Sickness is catching. Oh, were favor so. Yours would, I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. My ear should catch your voice, my eye, your eye, my tongue should catch your tongue's sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius being baited, the rest I'd give to you to be translated. 
Oh, teach me how you look, and with what art you'd sway the motion of Demetrius's heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. Oh, that your frowns would teach my smile such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. Oh, that my prayers would such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hateth me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty. Would that fault were mine. Take comfort, he shall no more see my face. Lysander and myself will fly this place. Before the time I did Lysander see, seemed Athens as a paradise to me. Oh, then what graces in my love do dwell that he hath turned a heaven unto a hell? Helen, to you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night, when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, a time that lovers' flights doth still conceal, through Athens' gates have we devised to steal. And in the wood where often you and I upon faint primrose beds were wont to lie, emptying our bosom of their counsel sweet there, my Lysander and myself shall meet, and thence from Athens turn away our eyes to seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow. Pray thou for us, and grant good luck thee, thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food till morrow, deep midnight. Hermia exits. I will, my Hermia. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. Lysander exits. How happy some or other some can be. Through Athens I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring his qualities, things base and vile holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes but with the mind, and therefore is a winged cupid painted blind? Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes, figure unheedy haste, and therefore is love said to be a child because in choice he is so oft beguiled? As waggish boys in games themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere? For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eyne, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine, and yet, when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved, and showers of oaths did melt. I will go tell him of fair Hermia's flight, then to the wood will he tomorrow night pursue her. And, for this intelligence, if I have thanks, it is a dear expense, but herein mean I to enrich my pain, to have his sight thither and back again. She exits. Act One, Scene Two. Enter Quince the carpenter, and Snug the joiner, and Bottom the weaver, and Flute the bellows mender, and Snout the tinker, and Starveling the tailor. Is all our company here? You were best to call them generally, man by man, according to the script. Here is the scroll of every man's name which is thought fit, through all Athens, to play in our interlude before the Duke and the Duchess on his wedding day at night. First, good Peter Quince, say what the play treats on, then read the names of the actors, and so grow to a point. Mary, our play is The Most Lamentable Comedy and Most Cruel Death of Pyramus and Thisbe. A very good piece of work, I assure you, and a Mary. Now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, 
Spread yourselves. Answer as I call you. Nick Bottom, the weaver. Ready. Name what part I am for and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. What is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover that kills himself, most gallant for love. That will ask some tears in the true performing of it. If I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms. I will condole in some measure to the rest. Yet my chief humor is for a tyrant. I can play Hercules rarely, or a part to tear a cat in to make all split. The raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison's gates. And Fetus car shall shine from far and make and mar the foolish fates. This was lofty. Now, name the rest of the players. This is Hercules' vein, a tyrant's vein, a lover's more condoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take Thisbe on you. What is Thisbe? A wandering knight? It is the lady that Pyramus must love. Nay, Faith, let not me play a woman. I have a beard coming. That's all one. You shall play it in a mask, and you may speak as small as you will. And I may hide my face. Let me play Thisbe too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Thisne, Thisne. Ah, Pyramus, my lover dear. Thy Thisbe dear and lady dear. No! No, you must play Pyramus. And flute, you Thisbe. Well, proceed. Robin Starveling, the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starveling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout, the tinker. Here, Peter Quince. You, Pyramus' father. Myself, Thisbe's father. Snug the joiner, you the lion's part, and I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you, if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Well, let me play the lion too. I will roar that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the duke say, let him roar again, let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that were enough to hang us all. Hang us, every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice so that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you and twear any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus. For Pyramus is a sweet-faced man, a, a proper man, as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely, gentleman-like man. Therefore you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beard were I best to play it in? Why, what you will. I will discharge in either your straw-colored beard, your orange-tawny beard, your purple and grain beard, or your French crown color beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no hair at all, and then you will play barefaced. But masters, here are your parts, and I, and I am entreat to you, request you, and desire you to to con them by tomorrow night and meet me in the palace wood a mile without the town by moonlight. There we will rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. 
In the meantime, I will draw a bill of properties such as our play wants. I pray you not fail me. We will meet, and there we may rehearse. Most obscenely and courageously take pains. Be perfect. Adieu. At the Duke's Oak, we meet. Enough. Hold her cut bowstrings. Thank you.